Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is hour two of Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, and A.J. Shaw. The phone number is 785-537-1350. Here in just a few moments, we'll be joined by K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor, scheduled to call in at about 520. Uh, you know, Wyatt, just a few moments ago, we were talking about K-State football, and, you know, Deuce Green has decided to declare for the NFL draft. Uh, Dante Cephas out of uh, Penn State, wide receiver, is coming to the Cats. He's already enrolled. He becomes a fourth D1 transfer along with Easton Kitley uh, from North Dakota on the offensive line. Defensive lineman Travis Bates out of Austin P, and uh, also safety Jordan Riley Scott out of Ball State. So the Cats continue to grow. They still have a handful of scholarships still open, so I'm sure there's work to do. Wyatt, at the game on Saturday, you got to uh, bring the uh, – well, I announced him, I guess, but you got to talk to <laughs> Coach Kleiman and uh, – the Bop Tarts Bowl winning team on the on the court. That was a pretty fun time. It was a fun time. You know, this is, you know, I, I've said this before, but December was a little bit tough for Coach Kleiman in some ways with the way the regular season ended. Yeah. You know, Colin Klein making the decision to leave and go to Texas A&M and all of the things that, you know, that that is the transfer portal and all of that. And yet not only did K-State survive it, uh, but they played really, really well and beat a good team in the bowl game. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, th- I think they've replenished some talent uh, through the portal. Some of the guys that you just mentioned, all of those guys you just mentioned, I'm, I'm just going to predict they'll, they'll all have uh, impactful seasons uh, for K-State this, this next year. So excited for them. I know they, they are pumped up for, for you know what they have returning. They've got some work to do. They've got a lot of you know starters to replace in the offensive line and what have you, but uh, I'm excited, and I guess we'll ask uh, Mr. Gene Taylor about this here in a little bit, but uh, I don't think it'll be too much longer. We'll uh, have a have a reveal kind of thing with uh, this football schedule for, for the Big 12, and here we go. It won't be long. Now, also, um, we, we need to point this out because K-State men's and women's basketball are off to a very hot start in Big 12 play. The K-State men are 4-1, and one. The K State women are seven and zero, and we haven't really talked about this yet. That you know, the women, of course, are approaching the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the men are a week behind, um, but of course, you know, the tournaments are. You know, the, the men will play a week later than the women. So, 
Um, and the women, and the re- reason for that is, is that the women will be at T-Mobile this that's time, right. which is really great for them. And by the way, there's also now an extra day in the tournaments because if you're a top four team, you get a double bye right now, which is pretty cool. I think that really truly makes it now a conference tournament when there's teams that get a double bye at least. Both the men and women are at least tied for first in the Big 12 standings. Men tied with Tech, women 7-0 and in Big 12 play. This long into the season, I can't tell you the last time it's been. I don't know if it's ever been this good so far in Big 12 play for both teams. Yeah, and I think uh, probably would be apropos here to salute the K-State fan base for turning out double time on Saturday at Bramlage. Um, we mentioned last hour um, as K-State outscored OSU in the last few minutes of that game, 18-7. to It got really loud in there. It certainly was loud at times for the women's game, uh, at least the part that I saw. You, you certainly would know way better than I would because you saw the whole thing. But, man, it's just for, for the split double header where you have to clear out and come back and, and to have those kind of crowds. Hey, they, the kids deserve it, don't get me wrong, but, boy, K-State Nation really turned out big time on Saturday. Yeah, just barely under 20,000 fans total for both the men and women's games. Yeah. Um, on Saturday, and for K State to start in women's basketball, I mean seven and zero, is absolutely incredible. Now we all question, of course, how does this team continue to play without Aokali? And I totally understand the question. Sure, she is such a force. Um, and I said this earlier in the first hour. If you missed it, got to check out the podcast. Wherever you listen to your podcast, just search for the game on thirteen fifty K Man, and you're going to hear us talk about the K State women their their win against KU. Um, but also the, a little thought on Baylor, and that thought on Baylor is this is a pretty winnable game, actually, for K-State. Baylor has struggled in the last three games to pull out victories, and they've only won one in their last three. K-State is one of the hottest teams in America right now. Um, it was very cool to see the K-State fans show up like they did. Being there live to watch it, the whole thing, and watching the fans file in, I mean, the student section was nearly full. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes before tip-off. Brandon Schneider, who's the head coach of KU, said that that is the best road student section he has ever seen. Wow. And he's been doing this a long time. Now, he coached for a number of years at Emporia State, won a national Mm -hmm. championship, and I think he's been at KU now for 10 years or so, something like that. He's been to many places. Sure. But to give that nod to your rival – in a press conference, that's pretty big. Well, it is, and and you certainly love when you hear that. And I think, again, it just augments what we're saying. People are enjoying watching this women's basketball team. Um, you know, they <laughs> the, the men have been drawing really pretty well, you know, since early last year with what Coach Tang has done. And what he's done is remarkable. You know, you, you think about, you know, the, the first year where you're, you're 26 and 10 and you know, you're just a, a little bit away from the final four, um, and and now 14 and four this year, and uh, it's crazy. But but the women's team, I think, so many people are talking about it because they are, you know, just it's really good entertainment for for the buck, right? I mean, it's it, it's very affordable. Come and watch them play. You're going to see terrific support, good basketball, <laughs> lots of good stuff, and uh, excited for them for for them to be. You know, seven and zero in league play and winners of twelve in a row right now. They're smoking hot. Oh, and let me add this real quick uh, with the Yoki news coming out. What the day before the game, I was thinking yeah. to myself, and I sh- shame on me for thinking this way. 
But I was like, oh, man, like, it's just getting good. The fans are getting invested into women's basketball finally again. And I was like, I, I was really hoping that that news wouldn't, like, turn people off to actually wanting to go to the games and watch the All-American. You're not going to be able to watch the All-American person, so are mm-hmm. you really now that invested? It was more than invested than I thought it was going to be. And when I saw the crowd live, I thought it was more than 10,000. I was a little shocked, actually, to see it was only 9,600. It looked nearly packed, like completely full. Yeah, it, it did look that way. And and they were loud, as I said. I mean, mm-hmm. you you... <laughs> The the game was probably a little bit closer in the you know in the mid stages of the fourth quarter than some might expect, and K State hit a couple of big shots and man just the roar of it was terrific. You know, when you're don't know about you, but when I'm calling the game, you know you certainly hear the roar, but it's different without the headsets on and and where you're not trying to describe what's going on and you're just you know kind of a fan there for for a few minutes that, that was that was really fun for me now i don't Enjoyed know if the, i don't know if this is the first time this ever happened but like we said there was a women's and men's doubleheader saturday in both games we got sandstorm yeah both games <laughs> and you know, i mean for the women i mean that's happened maybe four or five times and it was also a ku game but what chant did we get it wasn't the vulgar one right we got ksu I was like, okay, now Tang's work, I think, is finally becoming complete. Yeah. Because last year against Kate, well, in the men's game, we still got the vulgar chant. Uh, I, you know, at least that was a sign that, you know, maybe inside of Bramlage Coliseum, you're not going to hear it anymore. Because it was KU in the women's game. Right. There were a handful of students, not as many as you would see at a men's game. Um, but I, I, that was a pretty big step. Pretty big step. By the way, my favorite thing to do when Sandstorm plays is watch the opposing fans. Just sit there and take it. Really? I guess I haven't. It's very entertaining. Yeah. Just to sit there and watch them look like because you can see it on their faces like, oh gosh, our team is falling apart. We're not going to win this game, maybe. This isn't good. And yet it's like, would would they admit that this is actually really awesome? Yeah. One thing that I noticed both uh in the women's game and then the men's game is the when Stan, Sandstorm's playing, the uh, the lights on the phones, the lights on the phones yeah. thing. Have, have, I guess I just hadn't paid that close of attention. Have they been doing that for a little while now, or has well, it been a, a little a while? while? Yes, yeah. all this season for sure. Yeah, and the women have had Sandstorm back to back games. The men now, I think, two or three times. But it started on the last game of last year. Okay, for the men. Okay, I believe it looks really neat. I, I like it. Yeah, I can't remember which game it was. I don't think it was the last home game, but I think it was one of the – towards the end of the season. And it was during the media timeout, so you had the extended, the extended version of Sandstorm play. And some fans just started turning on the phones, and then more started to turn on their phones. And then they turned off the lights or turned the lights down, mm-hmm. and that really added to it. And I think whoever made the call to turn the lights down – because uh, I remember on that road trip, I, or I was on a road trip with baseball when that game happened. So whatever game that was, ever since then, it's now a thing. It's always going to be cell phones on, lights on, really adds to it. And that's why I really like to watch the opposing fans and get their reaction to Sandstorm. Because like, <laughs> I, 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 I see a little in their eye. They're like, okay, this is kind of cool. This is pretty awesome. Sure. Our team stinks right now, but this is a pretty cool thing. That was the OU game, by the way. I was there. I remember, oh, I remember when that happened. It was pretty awesome. All right, well, we need to take a break. Again, the K-State men and women 
either tied for first or the top team in the Big 12. The K-State women are the top team in the conference. They're the only undefeated team at 7-0, but that's on the line tonight. Against the 13th-ranked team in the nation, the Baylor Bears, the Cats travel to Waco for a 7.30 tip-off. Pre-game at 7 here on K-Man with Brian Smoller and Randy Peterson on the broadcast. And at the game also nationally televised on FS1. We take a break. We are joined by Athletics Director Gene Taylor, one of the most popular 80s in the nation, is next on Wildcat Insider. I'm AJ Shaw with a sports update for News Radio KMAN as Wildcat Insider continues. Coming off its win over KU on Saturday, 69-58, K-State women's basketball is now the number four team in the nation, according to the latest AP poll out Monday. The last time the Cats were ranked as high as number four was back in February of 2003, 21 years ago. Tonight from Waco, Texas, the Cats are back in action to face number 13, Baylor. Tip-off at 7.30 with pregame at 7 here on Cayman. The game is also televised on FS1. K-State men's junior forward Arthur Kaluma was named the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week Monday afternoon after K-State's wins over number 9 Baylor and Oklahoma State last week. Kaluma averaged 17.5 points per game on 52.4% shooting from the field, including 54.5% shooting from three-point range to go with 8.5 rebounds in those two games. K-State now 14-4 and 4-1 and in Big 12 play this season. Begins a daunting two-game road trip on Wednesday night when the Wildcats travel to number 23 Iowa State, who is 14-4 and 3-2 and in Big 12 play. That game will start at 8 o'clock. We'll have coverage for you here on News Radio KMAN. Travis Kelsey caught two touchdown passes as the Chiefs advanced to their sixth straight AFC Championship game following a 27-24 divisional win over the Bills last night. Now back to Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, AJ Shaw back with Wildcat Insider here on News Radio KMAN. We're now pleased to be joined by K State Athletics Director Gene Taylor, who joins us now here on the show. Uh, Gene, let's open up with hoops. Both teams either tied or at the top of the leaderboard of the Big 12. You've got to be feeling on cloud, right, cloud nine right now about the start for both basketball teams. Yeah, it's certainly uh, been, a, been a fun year so far. Obviously, still a lot of basketball to be played, but. You know, teams have won. Both teams have won in in different fashions early on. The women's were, you know, not uh, being challenged a lot. Um, and then obviously you have KU come in and gave us a pretty good run in front of a tremendous crowd. I thought it was so fun to see that type of crowd for both the men and women's uh, game. And then you know the men, uh, you know, they just still, I guess want to keep the crowd around to the bitter end with some of the wins they've had lately. But uh, you know, just I, I think it's. I think clearly on the men, women's side in particular, they just are so experienced, and 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 then the depth I think has really helped them. And I think what Jerome's getting out of a lot of the new players is they're just coming along, as he's mentioned in his post game press conferences. So, yeah, it's uh, been a bit of fun year so far. Gene, you mentioned the crowd, and it was, as a lot of people know, a, what we would call probably a, a split doubleheader with a one o'clock and a six o'clock game. But you clear the arena in between to have that kind of crowd back to back. I'd love to know how many of those people are not from like Riley and Pottawatomie County, but you you could just tell they were they were in it both games, uh, almost nine thousand for the men's game, over just over nine for the women. That's that's an incredible day. 
Yeah, and it was not the warmest day outside either. No. So people, you know, <laughs> were fighting with cold temperatures. So, you know, I, I talked to obviously folks that have been around here for a while. I, I, certainly for me, that was the largest uh, women's crowd I've seen uh, since I've been here. I know in the past we've had crowds similar to that, but, uh, you know, well-deserved. I mean, these women are playing hard. They're really talented. They're really fun to watch. Uh, they can, you know, the players you'll see step up different games, different players, and they'll win different ways. And obviously now facing a little bit of a challenge without Yoki and uh, the next few weeks. But I think, you know, I think they, you know, be tested tonight against Baylor, no question. But uh, I think they certainly have the capability of, of fighting through anything at this point. Do you have your own gap goat yet? <laughs> I don't have my my gap goat. It's taken me a little while to pick up on this. I now understand it well that the, you know, the seven stops at a game and, you know, three stops back-to-back, uh, I think, is uh, pretty interesting. And it seems to be working. And it's gotten really popular really fast, that's for sure. Yeah, I saw at the games on Saturday, they announced that at the next KC women's game, they're going to give away baby gap goats. Do you have an idea of how many they're going to hand out on Saturday against BYU? I- I don't. I haven't. I haven't heard that yet. But uh, you know, might as well take uh, take advantage of it while it's hot, and the fans are buying into it. They're bringing their own goats and all that good stuff. So now they got a chain to go with the goat. So uh, that, that's a good thing. Well, Gene, there's a question I want to ask you for a couple of months now that has to do with, and it just, you know, it sparks up once again. We see the Caitlin Clark incident that took place yesterday at Ohio State. You see very rarely a court storming in women's sports. And I remember when volleyball beat Texas and there were students that tried to rush the floor and then here come members of K-State faculty and uh, fan experience and all that keeping the students off the floor. What is K-State's protocol with women's sports and potential court stormings? Is there a rule for that or is it just one rule in general on how to handle those things? It's it's all based on venue and and the number one priority, whether it's football or basketball or or volleyball now or whatever the case may be. It's not a men or women's. It's it's to protect the athletes and the officials and the coaches. And, you know, get the athletes off the floor as quickly as possible. Get the officials off the floor. Set up a protection between the fans storming and letting the the team still go through the handshake line. I don't know if you've seen our operation last year. I believe it was after uh, we beat KU. They came out. They they were able to keep the crowd to you know to one side of of the court. They, you know, draped a long big rope with our security. That the teams were able to shake hands and go off. You know, uh, the, through the tunnel. And most of the fans were kind of down at the other end. So it just kind of depends too on how a game ends and when it ends, right? You know, that was the issue, I think, yesterday with the Ohio State game. Caitlin was at the other end from where the fans were rushing onto the court. Um, and so she was at the opposite end, and so she couldn't get off. You know, fortunately for us, majority of uh, fortunately, I guess, I don't know if I say that right, but our students are across from the benches. So we do have time to probably get the players. Uh, we have a natural barrier there. Obviously, we have our courtside seats, so it, it takes a little time. So we do have some time to get the players to the one side pretty quickly, get the officials off and get our get our protection out. But every venue is different, and, you know, football is a little different too. Obviously, we've, we've been – we've had issues, I think, in Oklahoma a couple of years ago where we didn't get everybody off and we got fined. So, you know, we're, we're just trying to – the biggest thing, the number one priority is student-athlete safety, coaches' safety, and obviously official safety. And however we do that per venue is, is, is you know, through our operations staff figuring that out. 
K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor, our guest on Wildcat Insider today. Gene, a couple of other thoughts about Saturday, such a special day, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about both of these, I think. Legends weekend for the men, um, and, and you go all the way back to there was one player from the 60s here, so you have so many um, you know, decades represented there with about 30 people or so. It's great to have them back, and then you know, with the football team being recognized, we'll talk, ask you more about that in a moment. But great to see those trophies. Great to see Coach and those kids out there. And uh, the fans, I think, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think, you know, like, you know, I think it's always fun to have our former athletes come back. Um, and like you said, you had, you had a span of decades there, which was, which was a lot of fun. Some of, the, some of them I've gotten to know over the years because, you know, they've been coming back and you get the chance to spend a little time with them. Uh, I think they uh, still have great pride in and you know their program while they were here, a lot of them had a lot of success. You know, depending on the on the errors that they played. Um, and then you know, I think Coach Tang does a really good job and his staff of embracing um, those former basketball players, as does you know, all of our coaches do when we have when we have those reunions because it is important uh, because they they've been the kind of the you know the bedrock of, of building this program. So uh, it's always fun to have them back. And then, like you said, to be able to celebrate anytime you want to. You know, bowl game or championship to to have those have that recognized. Have the fans give give those players a lot of love is always fun to see. Let's switch directions to football. The uh, college football playoff wrapped up a few weeks ago with Michigan winning the national championship. But tell us how you feel about now being uh, wrapped up with the college football playoff after three years. Well, you know, it's it's uh, we actually had our final call today. Uh, just kind of a download. You know, it's, it was been an honor to be honest with you to, to sit on that committee, um, be a part of something so special as as trying to select the top 25 teams week in and week out over a six week period, and, and sit in the room with some really really smart football minds uh, that care a great deal about the sport. That's it's been a true honor. I'm I'm going to miss it, um, and then certainly the the relationships that we built, not only with other athletic directors but the former players. You know. You know, Will Shields, who, who uh, obviously was very successful both at Nebraska and the Kansas City Chiefs, to have a friendship with a guy like that and some of the other members of the committee. Uh, it's just something that I'll, I'll treasure forever. And, you know, it's a fairly small fraternity right now, and you know, I think this is like the largest class to go off. I think we, we seven members of the committee are going off, so we'll have seven new members next year, which is a big number. Um, going in with the, with a twelve team selection as opposed to fourteen. Gene, I'm glad you hit on that because uh, I'm sure you have a feel, or it's been talked about a little bit about how different it will be next year. You've been in that room; we have not. Uh, how does the committee look at at that, and how different will it be, and and how can it? In my mind, it's it's only good for college football. Do you do you see it that way? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think I think right now twelve is the right number. You know, there's always going to be somebody left out, right? Sure. Yeah, obviously, this year, uh, you know, with the Florida State issue, you know, next year the the thirteenth and fourteenth teams are going to be. I think the, the I, I, going through the process currently, we the the top twelve are still really important, right? Because they get to play in the New Year's Six Bowls. If they're not part of the fourteen playoff, those remaining eight teams. Are the are the first teams selected for the New Year's Six Bowl? So those are big bowl games, uh, and that's really really important. This year, um, had it been a 12 team playoff, because a group of five school, the top rated group of five school, gets 
one of you know, a group of five conference champion, I think that's what they're going to do. Would get into the playoff. Oklahoma would have not gotten in. So, um, and they didn't get in the top twelve. They didn't make a, a New Year's six game, a New Year's six bowl game this year. So I think the process is the same. What going to be mostly the same? Like how we evaluate teams, how we rank teams, what data we look at, because we've always been ranking the top twenty-five. The challenge, in my opinion, is going to be once you get eight through 14, those little resumes are going to look very, very similar. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to kind of pick between undefeated teams and one-loss teams, right? Um, this year was a more challenging because we we had one that was a conference champion that, that had some challenges. But um, now all of a sudden you're going to have nine and three teams and ten and two teams that look the resumes are going to be very similar. And really – discerning between those last four or five teams is going to be really, really hard um, and where you place them. But I think the actual process and the analysis of which those teams are are probably going to remain mostly the same. But they could change once they get into it and they go through a season. Their protocol, they may add some protocols. They may change some protocols. So we'll just we'll just see. But uh, um, it, 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 I, I wish I could have done the, the transition between 4 and 12, but I don't get, it, I don't get to do that. So. Yeah. I'll just watch from behind and, and, and enjoy what they select next year. I get asked this every day, it seems. What about the rest of the bowls? Does that change with going to, to the 12? Well, I, I think there's still, in my opinion, and I think if you talk to some coaches, um, if we get this transfer portal thing figured out, there is value in a bowl, and mm-hmm. there's value for those communities, and there's values for a team to be able to take that opportunity for the extra practices. I mean, look at us this year. Look how many faces and new faces. Like an Avery, you know, Johnson that gets a, a real true game experience is going to be invaluable for him next year and some of those other players. Um, but how many of those bowls will exist, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think we have 40-some bowls right now. Um, will they all be able to, to maintain and still have an importance? You know, so many opt-outs, et cetera. I think if we can get a transfer portal where, there, where, the, where you don't have so many kids transfer right after the season, I don't know that we will next year. Um, that, that's part of the conversation and part of the equation. But I, I do still see value in, in some of the bowls um, for, for particularly teams that are losing a lot of players that you, know, you, could, you could get some extra practices and then some real live game experience. After the game, I love that uh, the Pop-Tarts Bowl people gave uh, Chris Kleiman a Miller Lite. I'll never forget that. Um, but other than that, was the Pop-Tarts Bowl happy about the K-State turnout in Orlando? It, it certainly seemed that way. Uh, obviously, during the course of the week, you know, our press or our, our, uh, our uh, pep rally was was well attended. You know, I think the the crowd was kind of what they typically have had for that group. I did see some of the bowl um, members at the CFP championship, and they came up and again expressed their gratitude, and they're really happy about the experience that you know they had with our fan base. Uh, you know the purple that comes, you know you know how K Staters travel. So I think overall, and I think our our kids had a, a good experience. I really do. I think obviously winning helps, but just the bowl week itself was 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 good, and they they enjoyed it. Got a couple more uh, football questions for you. Uh, Chris Kleiman, before the Pop-Tarts Bowl, did talk about um, name, image, and likeness and about how you know they're more on board with further expanding name, image, and likeness, about having real numbers for current players to stick around. And 
how have those NIL conversations been with the collectives? Have they been pretty positive? Are you seeing the numbers you want? Well, I, I think right now it's just uh, getting a better grasp on it. It's changed so dramatically just in the first, you know, what? how many months we've been dealing with it and, and some of these numbers that have flowed out there. I mean, I still think there are some challenges with it in terms of what's, you know, what's going to be allowed and what's not going to be allowed, and that's changing, you know, as we speak with the NCAA. Um, but I think we have to be a little more aggressive with, with, our, with our folks as we go out and talk about name, image, and likeness, whether it's our donors and our, and our fans and our collective. Uh, you know, I think we're going to have to get, you know, they're pretty organized. They do, do have some dollars available, but those dollars are going to have to increase. Um, and so we can be competitive. Now, we're not going to, you know, go out and do stupid numbers. Uh, I think there's going to be some limits, obviously. But I think coaches want that. I, I, I don't want them. I don't think they see us, you know, paying a kid that's not that much of a value uh, if we don't have to. But it's changed. And, and staying on top of it and how quickly it's changed um, just in the few months we've been involved with it is something we're going to have to, you know, just stay on top of. Working with our coaches working with the collective, letting our donors know the importance of it, uh, we'll continue to do that. All right, Gene, the last one is about uh, football schedules. It, I, I had just heard <laughs> that uh, it had been pushed back a little bit, and then the recent reports were that they're supposed to come out January 30th. Is that the plan for the Big 12 to have those out in a, a week from tomorrow? Well, that's what I understand. Um, you know, our conference, it, it's, it's, it's complicated, I think, because of the of the change of – you know, not having, we know who we're, you know, like when we just had the 12 of us, we know who we're going to play and we're going to play nine games, et cetera, and play everybody. I think that's been a challenge. I think our TV partners, as they look at the matchups and say, okay, they need to play a role in that, that's taken a little bit longer than, than what we anticipated. So I believe the conference is going to get with each athletic director and kind of say, hey, here's what your schedule might look like, any major issues. We can't really change it if the if the schedule that they give us meet our our scheduling philosophy and, and and priorities. I can't say, well, I don't want to play that team that day. I just have to accept it. What we look at is, are we playing? You know, are we going to play three games on a road in a row? Well, that's that's not a we're not allowed to do that. We we can change that. Are we going to West Virginia one week, coming home and going back to Central Florida? That's not something in our you know in our priorities. So. We look at those kind of things, but who we play, when we play them, we won't be able to argue that it's as long as we meet the other priorities. But hopefully, uh, I think the 30th would be the date that they can start releasing that. All right, that's good news. Well, Gene, um, as always, it's great to talk to you. I can't speak for every K-State fan, but uh, K-State sports a pretty good time right now. So I want to <laughs> thank you for your, your time and your work and uh, hope to talk to you down the road. Thank you for your appreciate time. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, and uh, we get some great coaches to make that uh, make, make my job a lot easier. Yeah. So I appreciate it. <laughs> that helps, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, talk sir. to you soon. You Bye-bye. Bet. That's K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor here on Wildcat Insider. Part of what makes him great is that humbleness. Don't you think? He's chill. It's, He's a it's chill just guy. A, yeah. I mean, I'm prejudiced because I work for him, but he he hires really good coaches and lets them work and gives them everything he possibly can to help them succeed. And he's done a great job, man. He's like that quarterback that wins a big award or gets you know, st- you know, and buys a role player of the week. All the offensive linemen, yeah, right? It's everybody else. They they make my job easy. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah, you yeah. go. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. Wyatt, when we come back, hey, the next game for the K State men is Hilton Coliseum. Against a top 25 team in the Iowa State Cyclones, Wyatt will help us preview the Cyclones. 
Mitch Ford and Wyatt Thompson back with Wildcat Insider on Cayman. We take it to 6 o'clock. That's when pregame coverage begins. All right, check that. That's when Chiefs Kingdom begins. At 7 o'clock starts pregame coverage of the K-State women, the number four team in the nation, visiting the number 13 Baylor Bears. And that tips off at 7.30 pregame at 7. The game also nationally televised on FS1. Wyatt, coming up on Wednesday, we have K-State at uh, Iowa State. Cyclones are number 23. K-State receiving votes this week, or all the way up to number 28 if you count up the votes. Uh, so just on the outside of the top 25, I would imagine the bracketology changes in favor of K-State now after being a bubble team this past week. Iowa State, they're 14-4. and four. They're 3-2 and two in Big 12 play. They haven't had an easy schedule. Now they, it's Big 12, you know, everybody will say that. Uh, but they face a lot of top 25 opponents uh, out of the gate for the five games have been against teams out of the top 25. So this will not be an easy game. Just ask Houston, who lost in Hilton Coliseum a week ago. Yeah. And we all know how good Houston is. They're number one in the net, top 10 in the country. Those types of things, we'll see them on Saturday. But, you know, we always talk, when we talk about Iowa State, we talk about what? Good coaching, great atmosphere at Hilton Coliseum. Their fans are as good as most. The place will be packed. You've got two 14-4 teams. K-State's 4-1 and one in the league. They're 3-2. and two. And they've been kind of what you expect in some ways – <clears throat> and then not in others. Here's what I mean by that. They're always, for the most part, a team that will sit down and guard, and they're they're pretty good defensively, right? But this team is maybe a little bit better offensively this year than, than the one they had a year ago when they were 19 and 14. I just think they have more options. Robert Jones at, at the center position is not really that much of an offensive threat, but he's a big-time energy guy. He can block a few shots. He's going to you know, get some rebounds and get some garbage buckets here and there. But the rest of their starting lineup, and I'm assuming at the moment they have uh, Lipsy available. He did not play on Saturday at TCU. Think about that. They went to 19th-ranked TCU and won Saturday without their starting point guard. Lipsy's a really, really solid player uh, in his sophomore season, but Trey King has made a big step forward from a year ago, and then they have those two new faces in that starting lineup. Keyshawn Gilbert, who was at UNLV, really talented kid. He had 20 points in 37 minutes, made 8 of 15 shots on Saturday. And then you've got uh, the young man, Milan Momchidovic, and he can shoot it. <laughs> he's, uh, he's shooting 39% from three this year, already 36 makes. And then I think they're getting some good production out of their bench, and in particular from Curtis Jones and Hassan Ward. They're averaging 80.7 points a game, and um, when, when you look at what they're doing, they're shooting 34.6% from three, uh, decent rebounding team. They average 17.7 assists, so they share the ball. I think it's a pretty salty team, honestly. And, and maybe this is the biggest thing. They're eleven and zero at Hilton this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that, my, that's, that's my big takeaway. It's in Hilton. Yeah. Although K State, yeah. I, I saw this K-State's earlier. Had, K State's had some success here lately. There, there's no doubt about I that. I honestly don't remember if Tang won there last year or not. He didn't. Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, Weber won his last year. Right, but Tang didn't win there last year. I think we lost tight, wasn't it? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, we time. did lose. I can't remember the final, but we did lose with Tang last year. But. I, honestly, I think K State's won four of the last six in Hilton or something like that. Is so, that right? Yeah, something like so it's actually hasn't been that bad for K State and Hilton the last half decade or so. Oh yeah, 
and and it is a difficult place. That the and, and not that there aren't others in the league that rival it because there are. You know, is it any better than Kansas State or Tech or Lawrence or you know? I guess it just it eyes of the beholder on that one. But their fans are smart. They will be packed in there. They know when to cheer, when not to. And um, it, it's a hard place to play. They, they've got a nice nice team. And uh, I, I guarantee you they're every bit as excited about their team as we are with ours. I'm interested to see how the, uh, the flow of this game takes place. I mean, Iowa State is a team that takes care of the basketball mm-hmm. pretty well. K-State's been uh, coughing it up too much the last three games, averaging over 17 turnovers. That's going to be a thing. I didn't yeah. mention that. And, and here's the deal, okay? I mentioned that they share the ball, 17.7 assists for their offense. But how about this? They only turn the ball over 10.9 times. But how about this? They force 18.6 turnovers a game. That will be something yeah. that you will want to watch when we get to Wednesday night at well, 8 o'clock. And I, 11 of those turnovers are steals. Mm-hmm. Like they're literally just that's, taking it away from absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. 11.4 steals a game. That's I'm gonna. I haven't looked yet uh, at that, but I'm gonna guess that's tops in the Big Twelve. Well, this is. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, this is where K State proves that they're true contenders. Sure. I mean, we're talking about not being being better than a bubble team, being a top half of the Big Twelve at, at the very least, top half of the Big Twelve. I, I have my fingers crossed for one and one. This is gonna be a very tough two game road trip because now and then after, of course, Iowa State, which tips off at eight o'clock Wednesday, you play an early game. Like, isn't it eleven a.m. in 11 Houston? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'll be honest with you, they're sixteen and two and three and two in the league. They've lost a couple of times on the road, including as you mentioned uh, at Hilton. Their defensive numbers are frightening. Think about this. I'll give you K State as a comparison. K State's been playing really good defense of late. They're giving up sixty-seven point three points a game. Houston gives up fifty-one. Yeah. K State's field goal percentage defense very good at thirty-nine-six. Theirs is 34.3. Three-point percentage defense, 31.5 K-State. Houston, opponents shooting 27.9 from three. They have a 7.8 plus mark on rebounding margin. (laughs) And then they also force almost 17 turnovers per game. They're, 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 They're very tough, physical Great with closeouts, really, really fine defensive team. What gives you hope is, is from time to time, they can struggle on the offensive side. They don't always make shots. They're really hard to beat when they're making shots just because they're so good defensively. Wednesday night's tip-off is at 8 o'clock pregame at 7 here on K-Man. Wyatt Thompson, Stan Weber on the broadcast. And, uh, yeah, you guys aren't even coming back home, right? You're going straight to Houston. After, or maybe not straight to Houston, but yeah, you're, we're you're going to go. Yeah, we're going at Ames, Des Moines to Houston. Probably get there at about – probably get to the hotel about – we're guesstimating somewhere around 3.15 or 3.30. My, so, you, so right after the game, you guys are leaving. Correct. Straight for, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't – okay, yeah. that's not – I thought it was different. That nope. you're leaving the next day. No, we're, no, we're <laughs> going straight through. Does Tang get the team up early when you guys uh, arrive – like for road trips, I guess you probably don't do that that often where you're arriving yeah, for we, a road we, trip at 3 in the morning. Right, yeah. So I, I would think that uh, – I don't remember what the wake-up – I mean, I can look here. I've got it. Um, they won't get them up too early on Thursday morning. Uh, I think they get up about 10 o'clock. But oh, they, they immediately yeah. go to shoot around. They're, shoot around um, or actually they will uh, – let me look at this. They go – 
Uh, we get there tomorrow, uh, then to Houston. We get into Houston. Don't have all of that yet, but uh, I think they will go late morning to practice. There. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's take our final break. We'll wrap up Wildcat Insider next. My clones when we come. All right, final segment, Wildcat Insider, Mitch Wyatt, AJ. Take a look at the uh, week ahead of the Big 12. There's a big Monday game in Lawrence, and the Cincinnati Bearcats are the victim. I say victim because I expect KU to win. It's Allen Fieldhouse, but, you know, you know, Cincy's been kind of sneaky. They've been real sneaky. I mean, they're close to being potentially a 4-1 Big 12 team right now. Yeah, and they're 2-3, and three, but 13-5 and five overall. And you're right, they have been a little bit up and down. When, when you kind of give up on them, they step up and, and, and bite somebody. Uh, lost a really hard game, as we mentioned earlier in the show, at home to Oklahoma Saturday, 69-65. But I think Oklahoma's really pretty good right now. Um, I expect them to give Kansas a game. I don't know that that you can say they're going to win the game. I don't know. I You just don't go there when, when it's at Allen Fieldhouse. But we'll see how that one plays out. One game does stand out to me on Tuesday. That is uh, Houston visiting BYU. Um, you know, BYU hasn't had the best start in Big 12 play. I mean, they're 2-3, and three, Cincinnati 3-2 three and two in the conference. I, I, BYU is going to be one of the better environments in the Big 12 now that they're in the conference, and I wonder how Houston once again goes on the road, hostile environment, and performs. Last time they did that, they lost to... Iowa State. Intriguing game for me with Houston at BYU from this perspective. We talked just a little while ago before the break about Houston's monumentally good defensive numbers, and you've got a BYU team that loves to spread the floor, reverse the ball, and shoot a ton of threes. If BYU makes a lot of threes, when they do, they can beat almost anybody. Um, We'll see how much space they get and how, how can... I mean, I don't want to say this. Will Texas, or I should say Houston, uh, kind of stymie them in trying to get that ball reversal? Because I, I got a sense that that's what they're going to try to do. Make it hard to get the ball moved side to side. And if, if, they, if they do that, then they can probably win in Provo. By the way, what a week it is for Iowa State. They host K-State on Wednesday, then they host KU on Saturday. Yeah, you like that, huh? I mean, that's a heck of a uh, week for home games and those season say, ticket holders. Oh, for sure. And it doesn't matter how cold it is there. I remember the year we started conference play up there in late December. You remember that? And their bowl team was in Orlando, the game we played in. It wasn't the Pop-Tarts Bowl then, but it was, it was that bowl. Mm-hmm. And they packed Hilton Coliseum the week, the week of the bowl game. That, that was like, you have got to be kidding me. You know, That's impressive. Yeah, Oklahoma State zero and five. Nobody in the Big Twelve is one and four. Everybody else is two and three or better. Uh-huh. But West Virginia will play at Oklahoma State. Give them the pokes, the win at home on Saturday. Uh, I think if if Jesse Edwards is back, I think West Virginia can get him. Me too. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. As always, Wyatt, appreciate you stopping by. Yes, sir. Enjoyed it. Thank you. That's going to wrap it up. I want to thank A.J. Shaw for running the board today. Wyatt Thompson to my 2 o'clock, helping me co-host. And I'm Mitch Fortner. Uh, Manhattan Hoops on the road at uh, Emporia. This is the boys playing at 7.30, pregame at 7.15. So I'll be here for most of the show, but we'll be back for another two hours tomorrow. 
Thank you for listening to Wildcat Insider. Go Cats. Back, Wildcat Insider.